most intimidating fast bowlers. And a cricket journal, not afraid to take the strike. Oh, how about it? This is the fast and the curious. Mitchell Johnson and Bonnie Rayner, your home for all forms of summer's game. It's full, it's down the ground, it'll be at least one. Saini, he's got an injury with the groin. It goes as far as the fence. India, incredible. Yeah, congratulations to Team India. Outstanding performance. They deserve this. They deserve everyone to be out in the middle of the Gabba right now and just take in what it's all about to win a test match at the Gabba and to win a test series in Australia. Depleted team, Australia at full strength. Congratulations to Jinky Rahane. That pretty much sums it up in a nutshell. Yesterday was one of the most famous victories we will ever see on Australian soil. Hello and welcome to the Fast and the Curious podcast. We're brought to you by Tab Touch. Make the most of summer, gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Mitchell Johnson, for a second week in a row, you're not curious, you're furious. <laughs> I'm always furious. <laughs> making me look bad. Um, playing your role, angry fast bowler. Yeah, yeah. no, nah, you're right. No, nah, what a, what an incredible test match. What an incredible test series. I think uh, I just look at that first test match and, and Australia bowling out India for 36 in that second innings, and sort of. A, I guess I thought at the same time it was it was going to be Australia. Because um, sometimes uh, to bounce back from such a demoralising loss, it's not always about the skill execution; it's about the mental side of it. What we've seen from India more than anything is their resilience. Well, yeah, they've just proved that. Yeah, I mean they lost Virat Kohli after that first test match, and. There's been all the talk about oh they need Virat in the team and but uh, I always had the thought of they've got a strong batting lineup uh, and Rohit Sharma coming in later in the series as well and we've seen a standout performance from Shubman Gill um, who um, I actually played a little bit with in the IPL as well and was thoroughly impressed with him and and thought he's he's going to do well here in Australia when he gets his chance and he he proved that uh, there was uh, also so many different changes in their team and they just showed so much grit. It's normally the grit that you see from an Australian uh, team. So, yeah, look, they're, they're thoroughly impressive and they're going to be very tough over the next couple of years, I feel. They're going to compete, they're going to show that grit um, and they're going to be a, a really tough team to beat. Well, what we've seen is when players like Jasper Bumrah, Yumesh Yadav, when any of their, say, more experienced players are moved on, there's absolutely no doubting their squad depth now, given they were forced to use 20 players in this series. When I think, did we only make two changes? Joe Burns going out, uh, Will Bukowski like, yeah. and Marcus Harris, I think, were our only two changes across the entire series. They had to use 20 players. And obviously their attack for the Gabba test had four test matches of experience between five bowlers. Mohamed Siraj led the attack and he debuted yep. on Boxing Day. It's just well, it, unfathomable. It just goes to show how strong uh, the IPL is for me because a lot of these players playing IPL, getting experience, gaining experience by playing against top uh, the best international players around the world, even though it is the shortest form of the game, it's still experience. They're coming up against the best bowlers and the best batsmen, so they're learning. And when they get their opportunity, they're fighting for a spot. They they want to they want to stay there. They don't want to give up that spot. So that's how I feel the you know the Australian team should be playing as well. Um, we've seen that in the past, and um, like I said, just 
it was just impressive at how they they just kept kept fighting hard. And I mean, Charles Dool coming in was another guy that I've played uh, some IPL cricket with, and and he's he's been a guy that I've always been impressed with when. Uh, being in India, he, he always works hard. He wants to learn. He's always around. He was like a little brother to me as well in some ways. Uh, he's like you know, lurking around you and, and trying to learn as much as he can. So they're all like that. They, they want to be better cricketers. Um, and you look at the size of the population. That's another thing that I, I saw written, I think it was this morning, uh, the population over there for, I mean, they've got a massive population and a lot of people do play cricket over there and want to play for their country, but only 11 players can be out there in the middle. So any chance they get they they're giving it their all. So you, you could see that with, uh, th- that bowling attack. Um, I think, so was it Saini? Yep. Uh, was it Saini came back? He had that little, little groin injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and he still came out in that second. Yeah. Came out in the second innings. Still had a crack. So. Pajaro gets hit 14 times. Oh my God. No worries. Yep. Um, yeah, it's just point, incredible. 1.366 billion people in India. That's absolutely no excuse. They simple, like they simply wanted it more. They had so much yeah. more hunger and such grit and desire to win. And I think it's really nice. We know over in India and in England, countries like that with more dense populations are doing it really tough at the moment in COVID, in lockdown, and just seeing the social media world light up and how much joy this series brought despite the pain yeah. the Australian team is feeling today. Justin Langer has preached all summer we needed to go to England to get for the health and the economy of the game to get the show back on the road. This test cricket is well and truly alive and that series is one like we'll never see before. Oh, exactly. And it's series like that that really make test cricket so good to watch and, and that's why I loved playing the game and that's why it's still my favourite game to watch because there's – so many ups and downs involved in it. You see so many uh, different performances, uh, so many players coming in and out like we have in this series. And it is really exciting to, to watch. And I think you're saying here in the studio, uh, in the newsrooms that the TVs were all on and everyone's yeah. getting right behind it. So even in Australia, where it's probably not as popular as, as India, um, it's still a popular sport, but it's behind India, footy here, isn't it? Whereas yeah. India, it's an obsession. It's an obsession. So life. it's yeah, it is good to put that smile on on people's faces in the hard times. Yeah, and the ratings on Channel Seven were in the average across the fourth test was seven hundred and twenty seven thousand viewers, which is up eleven percent on the twenty eighteen nineteen um, series when we were missing our two best players. So um, that's yeah, a credit amazing. to the show they put on. Now we've got it's not a red kookaburra, but this week we've got a white. Brand new kookaburra to give away, signed by Mitchell Johnson. Bit similar to the one you took three for three with at the Wacker in BBL 06. So that'll be awesome for somebody. We'll have a code word later on in the episode. So stay tuned for that. You don't want to miss out on your chance to win that. Mitchell Johnson, your Instagram last night, you had a bee in your bonnet. You were up and about. Um, I'm eager to tap into it. You had a good social media rant. Uh, what was what was the toughest part to swallow for you from that test match? Um, keep, in line, <laughs> keep in mind we have a time limit. <laughs> oh, the toughest oh, – I just think it was the <sighs> – I don't know. There was there was a few things. I just th- think it was the lack of fight more than anything, and uh, from the Australians. I mean, it wasn't like they weren't trying, but it just it was so noticeable how India were really 
having a big dip. And I even said it, I was thinking it on the second day of that test match at the Gabba. And even in the Sydney test match, I just thought that India just wanted it more. So that's just all I want to see from the, the Australian guys. I just want them to see them fight and win those big moments. Um, where, you know, they're, they're not making the scores that they need to. It's like Labashane not going on with his score. Just the little things that just need to click for them. And, you know, they haven't played... Well, I can't make it an excuse because India haven't played as, as much either, uh, Test cricket, but it has been a, an odd sort of 12 to 13, 14 months or whatever, um, and not much has been going on in the, in the cricket world, but when you get your chance, you've got to go out there and you've got to want it. I think to pay a bit of credit where credit's due, Pat Cummins absolutely oh, bowled his heart out. 162 overs for the series, around 24 overs yesterday, and that was the single most by an Australian seamer on day five since 2006. So as a team, absolutely, as a squad, India wanted it more. But I think someone like Pat Cummins, you can't fault, man of the series, you cannot fault how hard he tried. Well, exactly, and... And a full credit to him for what he's done for the team. And that's that's what the whole team needed to do. He needed more support. It was more support. And, and that's when uh, that's when you do win the big moments or those moments that you really do need to win. And India, you can you can look at their whole squad and everyone sort of played their part, I guess. Um, There's not too many real standouts uh, from the Indian team, but they all just gelled together and played well played for each other. And um, that's, yeah, that's just what Australia needs to do. So I'm I'm be interested to see what happens after this. If I mean, there's a lot of talk about Tim Payne and his captaincy and people want him to go and uh, that's not going to happen. But uh, also the bowling uh, with Mitch Stark not quite being on uh, on target. He's He needs to be fired up and, and bowling very fast, I feel, um, to, to actually have that bowling attack gel. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what, they go with in the South Africa tour. So you think Tim Payne should resume like his role as captain? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I find, see I find the commentary infuriating on it well, all. For three years he hasn't put a foot wrong. He went to he had one really bad day behind the stumps and yep. with his was mouth. Criticized. Criticized, smashed, came out, did a voluntary press conference the next day. I think that in itself shows the growth over the last three yep. years in terms of owning up to your mistakes, which we initially failed to do with Cape Town. We briefly touched on that last yep. episode. And now he's in terms of keeping, he's still the best gloveman in the country by the length of the Flemington Strait, I yep, think. Definitely. His batting average is second only to Adam Gilchrist, who redefined the role of a wicketkeeper batsman. And his leadership can't be questioned. So how on earth, after one perhaps below-par series and one bad day in the past three years, are we now saying that Gabba Test was probably his last? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So there's no more. We don't need to say any more on it now. I think it's just... The comments that come out about that kind of stuff, it's just nitpicking and um, we're seeing a lot of it these days. Um, it's something that – that's why I probably wrote my little comments on Instagram. Um, yeah, talk us it was just, those ones. Oh, it's just nitpicking. Like, so for just, context, it was the Josh Hazelwood little subplot. He had a fascinating spell and a duel with Chiteshwa Pajara. He runs in for his full run-up. And then Pajara pulls out really late, says there's a small butterfly in his way. Hazelwood gives him a big stare down thinking, yep. you could have told me before I made my run up in this 30 degree Brisbane day. And the next ball, really well directed bouncer, gets him right in the grill and Hoff 
very softly says, see that one? Did you see that one? Mm. What's wrong with he that? He wasn't on the ground. He wasn't. <laughs> exactly. What's wrong with it? Like, I'm sure majority of the people that are watching, the fans, uh, are going to enjoy that. It's a contest between bat and ball. No one got hurt. They, I mean, obviously it, it goes back to the Philip Hughes uh, incident and look, it definitely affected a lot of people and it has changed in a lot of ways. Everyone's checking in all the time, but oh, I think it just needs to stop the nitpicking because the so game, the it's, it's still a sport. It's, it's a sport, right? And there's competitiveness and yeah, you're in the heat of the battle and uh, we, we've got to understand that there's a thousand cameras that are on, on these players. There's the stump mics that are turned up. If we don't want to see or hear that stuff, then take away all the cameras, have only a couple of cameras on, on it, take the stump mics out and then you won't hear anything. Mm. <laughs> Simple. And then it'll be, be about the access. So some of the comments on social media that made it to your Instagram story were around uh, the lack of duty of care and Hazelwood showing no regard to um, the hit that he copped. And it was it was a pretty vicious was good, blow. It was, it was right good, on the cheek in the bouncer. grill. Yep. Um, thank goodness for helmets, as the commentator said at the time. You feel Josh Hazelwood's response would have been different had Pajara been flawed. 100%. Like Steve Smith in the Ashes. 100%. And they all rushed to his care. Yep. I mean, then Josh, Joffrey Archer was criticised for laughing well, shortly after, but Smith oh, was but still horizontal. Ulti- but ultimately, like, you don't have to check on the batsman. That's not the, the job of the, the bowler. It's not the job. It is good spirit of the game. If yeah. the player is absolutely flawed, like we couldn't tell if Smith was conscious when he went down. I I um I remember hitting uh, McLaren from South Africa years ago. Hit him in the side of the helmet. He sort of ducked into a it wasn't it was a short ball, but it didn't quite get up as much. And it was a fair whack to the side of his head and he actually drew blood um, out of his ear. And I originally sort of went, well, I tried to bowl that ball. That's what I wanted to achieve, to to bowl the bouncer. Um, if he wasn't good enough to get out of the way, then that's not my my issue. So he sort of wandered off to, not quite to square leg, but he went over off the pitch and a couple of our boys went straight up to him to see if he was okay. So duty of care. Um, mm. On the inside for me, like I looked at it and I went, I hope he's okay. I don't want him to be hurt. Um, but I also didn't want to go up to him straight away and go, are you okay? Because like I said, I'm trying to bowl a bouncer to intimidate. So it's such a tough one because I'm not not there to be the bully and, and not to be um, – you're not trying to, you know, take people out of the game. Um, but you're also there to – Put on I a said, fierce battle. Yeah, you're a fast bowler. We were allowed to bowl two bouncers in the in the over. Um, you can bowl a short ball and um, – and, Look, I ended up going up to him before he was taken off because he actually had a bit of concussion and I just sort of gave him a pat on the back and then I actually sent Faf Duplessis, I think was captain at the time, I sent him a text just to make sure to see if he was okay and passed on the message and so that was done. So, And that's the other thing that we probably, like myself, um, not being a former player like you, that I probably don't see what goes on behind closed doors, where yeah. at the end of a test match, you guys go into the change rooms, don't you, and all share a drink. And I guarantee Hazelwood went up to Pajara, would you? 100% he would have. He would have gone. And had a beer and yep. are you all good? Making sure that he was okay and saying how, how basically well done for doing what he did. Toughing it out. So he toughed it out, that's for sure. Um, but, yeah, there's... I mean, people aren't going to agree with me. That's fine, but um, that's just my my opinion on it. 
Yeah, plenty to discuss. It's hard to remember a more topsy-turvy test match, let alone series. Former opener Matthew Hayden was there on the ground witnessing history being made. Welcome to The Fast and The Curious. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. If you had to sum that test match up in one word, what would it be? Fighting from India's point of view, maybe one word, and inconsistent from Australia's point of view, and maybe even untypical from Australia's point of view as well. Mm. You know, very rarely in Test match series, in particular in Australia, lose more than sort of two sessions in a row. Um, generally speaking, they're able to hold their session count. We saw Nicky Ponting do his analysis of, of the Test match series on a session-by-session basis, and overall I think it was something like 27, 24 or 5, um, which represents how close the series was, but also I think from Australia's point of view, again, how they just really couldn't take their opportunities from one se- session, even if they won that session, turn it around for winning another session, um, which I think the great sides, they... They just get a momentum shift through their session count. They might lose the odd one here and there, but they'll go back to back to back sessions and, and that's how they'll roll. And that's how, when you look at even the last two test matches in particular, the Sydney test match, having that ability, and Kip Payne got so much criticism about his captaincy, but in reality, you take one or even two of those three opportunities that were given and it's a different result. Um, and then the Brisbane test match, the Lavishane and, and McIlwain partnership. Yeah, it was a good partnership, and yet, terrific. You got a good test match under it. Um, Lavishane with a little bit of luck, which everyone needs. But he left, I think, and that partnership left 100 runners at least out there. Now, we're not having this conversation about off series, it, even in just that one partnership where they win another session based on the fact they completely dominated and and really secured a really good session um, count through their batting in the first innings, and that total all of a sudden goes to 450 plus, and it's a totally different story. And, and yeah. you know, that, that's if they can learn anything from it, Australia. I'm sure Justin Lane will take that that kind of old cliche, Mitch, and which says never cut a sucker an even break, and he'll turn that into a guys. Well, we've been here before. Now, we're in a good position, but if you let it slip, then it's going to be real trouble because you can see what happens even against the second string Indian side. Yeah, Matt, um, it's Mitch here, and uh, look, it's good to, good to have you on today. Um, always love having chats with you and, and talking about the game. And um, Yeah, it was obviously a, a tough loss for, for Australia um, in that series, and I think I, I saw a, a comment from JL about taking things for granted. Um, I, I sort of had that feeling in that Brisbane test match. You know, we heard some comments from Tim Payne in the last test in Sydney talking to Ashwin about can't wait to get you at Brisbane uh, and those kind of things. Do you think maybe they just underestimated them a little bit um, going into that test match thinking, well, we've got a pretty good record at Brisbane? <laughs> yeah, well, as you know, Mitch, when it comes to the Brisbane test match, there is an air of confidence slash arrogance that hmm. comes with that venue in particular. And look, there's a number of reasons for it. Firstly, it's the first test match typically in the summer. Yep. And what generally happens is a touring side, which has been kind of the way the program has worked for the century, is that they'll they'll come over and play 
warm-up games, typically um, at one kind of new, more neutral venue, like in Canberra or, you know, one of those types. And then they'll go over to the Wacker and they'll get pounded by, you know, the great Western Australian attacks over the years. And then your beauty, you pencil them in for the Ashes, uh, sorry, for the uh, Brisbane Test match, um, uh, easily the most unique now ground in Australia and possibly even the world, um, which is Australia certainly has been taken over with drop-in wickets. And and so that was how it rolled. You've got a real level of, of confidence out of the fact that you were putting an opposition side into the, the most hostile environment there was possible in Australia and, and you're looking to absolutely smash them. So, you know, mm. stuff like comments mm. can only be really discussed in the context of, of what what we typically see as as a very difficult game, and res- and also respectfully, um, with with what I was saying, it's relative to how it is that that we perceive the Gabba to be, and so it begs the question really of the arrogance. I think more of the administration that have changed the format of the of where sides tour and yeah. and how they go about it because. You know, India should always play at Brisbane and the Wacker. That should always. be, yeah. It should, well, Brisbane should be the first test. I know this might, we don't want it to be an excuse or anything like that. We're just saying that it is difficult for teams coming in uh, to play Brisbane first up. And it's always been that little bit of an advantage, I guess, for the Australians. Um, also, we, we can't can't go away from the, the amount of grit that the Indian team had throughout that this test series with all the injuries they had. So coming to that last test, I I was just super impressed with the young guys, Gil and uh, was it, um, Shardul, who I've seen actually through IPL. And I was just super impressed with how they fought hard and, and showed so much grit. Yeah, yeah, which you kind of expect. We always understand how difficult you know, they are as a team to, um, to really get, to really be in a position, you know, when, when they're at home. But, you know, when they're, when they're abroad, and, and we've felt this bit over the years, when you go into a hostile environment like England, um, which, you know, you expect to just get it from all directions, the crowd, they, they just find a way to make it uncomfortable for us as tourists and, and in India over the years as well, the, the hostile environments and the love of the game, and it's it's just like living in the bubble that I'm sure the current players are in right now. You can't get away from the game. It, it, it just is all over you, everywhere you go. There's no respite. And when you talk typically to teams that come here, for the obvious reasons that we've just mentioned, you know, the Australian environment is also very, even if it's just the conditions, are very foreign to most international sides. So... It's just reinforcing what you're saying, Mitch. That, yeah, that they they played incredibly tough for um, Yeah. I mean, Pajara is a great example of that, right? Yeah. He just right, got he's... an absolute barrage. I mean, he got struck on the fingers twice, on the on the elbow. I thought he'd broken his whole arm off. Yeah. It was 14, 14 hits in total, uh, which is the most on record in a test match. Yeah. Mm. He got yeah, the good one remember. on the ribs as well. I can remember having a, a, a meal, and I'm sorry, Mitch, that you yep. weren't a part of this night. Brett Lee was a part of this night with Shane Watson, uh, with Terry Packer, and he was, he was the first and only time that I met Terry, and we were sitting around his house in in, uh, in Sydney, and 
and he was so kind and, and really you know, respectful of the current group and there was Steve Boy along with Justin Langer there as well. And I, we thought, well, what happened to Kerry Packer? We've always heard that, you know, he's really gruff and opinionated and, you know, not obnoxious, but, you know, just really on point. And all of a sudden, he starts telling this great story about luck. And um, he's talking about his father and the printing press down in Tasmania. And, well, we've all read the story and know the story, but yeah. this, this great role of luck in his life. And then he turned to Justin Langer and he said, son, you should know all about luck looking and eyeballing him, and we all kind of gulped in our breath, thinking, what's he going to say here? And he said, lucky they invented helmets, so you'd be effing dead. <laughs> <laughs> he said, why is it that you get hit on the head so much? And there he was just on. Yeah. And of course, we're folded over, creased with laughter. And we were like, actually, well, yeah, Alfie, why do you get hit on the head so much? It's probably something a, a modern-day Will Bukowski sadly can relate oh, to. Yeah. He obviously didn't play this match, and Marcus Harris came in in his place. Hados, our back page of the paper here at the West Australian on Friday ahead of day one was an article yeah. on you pleading Marcus Harris to play straight and yeah. not get funky and just show the respect at the Gabba, play the ball straight. About two hours after I read the back page, he was caught throwing his wicket away at square leg after scoring five runs. Uh, it meant both openers were back in the sheds and we were at two for 17 on a really, really good batting surface. Ricky Ponting has made a few comments around the first innings total of 369 was never enough. You've said that you felt we left a lot of runs out there. Is that a key moment? I know we could narrow in on, on 10 from the match alone, let alone the series. Yeah. But was that a key moment to you that you just thought that is infuriating? Yeah, there's no doubt that um, I, I think going right back to what I said at the start is that it's very difficult on any wicket, regardless of, of the conditions, to get in as a batsman. That, that's the most difficult phase. So when you look at the dismissals in the first innings um, of Warner and, and Harris, Warner didn't really get a chance to get in. He got caught on the crease with a good delivery. And when Harris got a regulation ball that you saw in the second innings, he, he played nicely and, and you deserve to get punished if you bowl that line at the Gabba. It doesn't matter if it's green or, in fact, in this case, it was a sort of second-day wicket start-up. Um, it was a very good wicket. Um, and, you know, you get a bit of a, a chance. You've seen, you've seen, you know, a dozen balls or so and you just got to keep building on that. So that was a, what you'd call, a cricketer's call as a soft dismissal. Um, and I think that was kind of like the trend of the summer, really. There was not yeah. too many occasions. There's only, you know, 100 scored, um, 200, sorry, scored with the Labuschagne 100 um, throughout the series. And when you look back in history, you go, well, actually, it's usually in winning series, there's usually five or 600 scored from various players across a, a four or five test match series. So... The defining case is that the Australian batting lineup just they, they they gave a sucker an even chance. They didn't finish or close in one of the innings that they, they could have. And we all say as well, I never judge it until you batted on it. The opposition batted on it. And then you could also argue, well, okay, it was probably a pass score, but because India did a you know, relatively good job of trying to get him though know, their tail tail wag, they, they got you know, somewhere close to us. Yeah. Um, but the truth is, they shouldn't have been any anywhere near us. Yeah. And so, you know, I get dirty and and a little bit 
frustrated for Dustin Langer, you know, who would have been saying exactly this, guys, we, we get starts, we turn 40s, 80 into 50s, you know, we turn 100s, minus into 150s. And until we, you know, do that, don't come back here. I mean, I said on air when when um, Marnus got out and I was sitting right next to Alan Border, right, who was our mentor. And I, I would have walked in a different entrance to the change room. So there's no way I could have walked past Alan Border had I got out to a shot like that. Just yeah, I, I was I was listening at that time when you said that as well. Like it was, and I felt the same way as well. Like I mean, if I'm a, a player in that room, dressing room, I think as a teammate, you're like, hey, Marnus has played enough now. He's got enough experience. He's one of the best players in the team, best batsman. That was a situation where he should understand the game and what he needed to do yeah. in that time. It was it was a poor shot, poor selection. Uh, he really needed to knuckle down. And you're right. It, there was too many opportunities like that that were, were missed by the Australians and, and it definitely has an effect on the, the the bowlers as well. That means that they're you know, they're fighting a lot harder. There's been a lot of criticism again, I feel, with the bowlers and not getting twenty wickets and uh, yeah. but also yeah. there it's there hasn't been enough runs scored like like we're talking about. There's there's so many missed opportunities but um, like like we've said though, it's still been an exciting test series and I had to eat my words a little bit. I thought it was going to be three-one to Australia. Yeah. But, um, to be yeah. honest, I think a lot of people did yeah. really, and I think the result, yeah. obviously, yesterday, dating back to 1988, nobody expected Australia to lose. I'd be so keen to get an insight what it was like um, being there and just what it was like from your point of view. Yeah. Look, I, I said right at the pitch report at the start of the day that you know I'd take that wicket and roll it up and take it all around the world with me had I had the opportunity to do so. I thought it was a good weekend. I thought largely, actually, the cracks, whilst they were maybe typically a bit bigger than what you see at the Gabby Youth in usual circumstances, like, they are all in zones that were kind of way out of play. Mm. Um, in fact, maybe they were a bit of a distraction for the bowler. If you could have looked at it like that, psychologically, as a batsman, you're going, well, actually, if they're targeting those cracks, it means that I'm... Um, in the game here because they're really out of play. Yeah. Um, so, look, I, I think the overwhelming sense for me was just how extremely calm Indian team batsmen were. They, they from ball one, surmounted uh, just such a good and perfect run chase. And I remember playing a game against Victoria through the early 90s where we Queensland was set um, a total of 300-odd um, against Victoria and, and I got, ended up getting 200 in the, in the innings and, and it was a very sort of methodical approach there wasn't any need to rush as a batsman you know you get plenty of uh, opportunities to, to score throughout the day and the scoring rate increases as well so you know when it kind of got to that equation where there was 10 overs left and they needed 50 runs it was, it was just never in doubt but there's two poignant moments me of that last day. The first was Ajinka Rahani, who will never get mentioned in that run chase, and maybe he shouldn't, but he got 22 off 24 balls. He got out trying to play a really expansive shot over the top of slips. His attitude said it all at that moment. I knew India were going to go on to win that match. Had he have come out and looked defensive in any way, I would have thought, by gee, that 
that just shows that they're not, they're not real. They don't really believe. But there is no one that came out that didn't believe. Yeah. And the second moment was at the end of the play, end of the day's play in post-match presentation, when Ajinki Rahani, in spite of the the elation that he must have been feeling for a Test match victory and a, and a series victory with the Sporting Basket Trophy, had the presence of mind to. to come back to the podium and then present Nathan Lyon yeah. on behalf of the team a signed shirt um, for his 100th test match um, and in honour of his 399 weekend. So I just thought that moment there, under any other regime of leadership, would never have happened in the past. Yeah. And it goes to show you the, the, the quality and strength of the bilateral relationships that have been developed through the back of you know, great competition over the years, the country's getting closer through the IPL and getting to understand each other a lot more. Um, and, and also just cricket just being such a you know strong part of both of our communities. I, I just thought that was a beautiful moment. I've got to say, Matt, I was just about, I stood up and straight away I was thinking it was going to be a glum presentation with the typical and stereotypical answers, but that brought a tear to my eye. I just love that stuff. Mm. Yeah, a really classy moment. I think we can hardly fault Ajinko Rahane, the way he's led the Indian side. There's been a few calls for him to stay on as captain, which is pretty massive given that... Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. given that King Kohli is sort of, you know, the, the lord over there in India. But as somebody who has played 100 test matches yourself, how special is it to reach that milestone? How significant would that match have been for Nathan Lyon? And, and yeah. how touching, I guess, is that recognition from the opposition? Yeah, look, the whole event was brilliant for Nathan. I, I don't think he particularly bowled that well, particularly in the first innings. Um, and I think he was sort of sorting himself out in the second innings as well. He bowled a very straight line. Um, and he saw the moment that he did toss it wide, wide he ended up getting Chippenville out for 91 mm. with one that just didn't really sort of turn like he'd expected. So there's a couple of, it was a flawed performance, but nothing to take away, as you mentioned, behind you know what has been a fantastic career. Um, there's only been 30 players in history, sorry, excuse me, 13 players in history that have done that. Um, and I've got to say, all of them are um, pretty good blokes as well. So <laughs> I, I think... There it is. It, it, um, it, yeah, I don't want to give this... He doesn't mind puppet his Yeah, the old mention of the 200, <laughs> 200 <laughs> There's one absolute wanker, but we won't... <laughs> 313 <laughs> test wickets to his name? Yeah, another one. Yeah. No, so, you know, for me, just, you know, they're just such good, they're just such um, great fighters, that, that group. When you look at the guys like Alan Border, for example, or Ian Healy, Steve Waugh, Justin Langer, you know, there's, there's just a mixture of brilliance, but there's a mixture of great humility and, and similar kind of work ethics as well. Like when you play and do anything in career, forget cricket, and you are at it a long time, um, you've got a right to be called the master of the game or the master of your industry, um, of thought leadership, what, whatever it is that you do in life. It's fantastic um, that you stick out a long time because you just get to see the workings of of something from from every perspective. And once that perspective then gives you insights into your own performance and, and you become, you know, not like Nathan has in his own right, um, the best off or consider the best off spin bowler in Australia, certainly. Um, but maybe, you know, when you look at the other great off spinners in the modern his, modern day history, 
um, a Tyrone Mualithran, um, you know, or a, a Daniel Vittori, um, Harbhajan Singh, um, Harath from Sri Lanka. That's right. Like there's there's a lot of those guys. They bowled um, doozers as well, and and other deliveries. Um, but you know, Nathan has got in his arsenal a very good off spinner, mm-hmm. a good over spinner, uh, a half decent arm ball, and a whole lot of guts and courage. And yep. he's used those things to his advantage over many years. And and it's you know, history doesn't lie. He's, he, he's mm-hmm. our greatest wicket taker, off spinner bowler, um, and I think our third, isn't it, of all time? So yep. fantastic. Yep. Yeah, no doubt about it. Last one from me, Haydos. Somebody you played a lot of cricket with, Justin Langer, head coach of the Australian team. Do you have any – have you reached out to him since yesterday? Because after the 18-19 series loss where Australia won the first test at the Gabba, he, um, he said – I couldn't even – I was having nightmares at the thought of being the first team to break that winning streak at the Gabba. And that was obviously a team that was missing Steve Smith and David Warner. Very different, as we've discussed, finishing at the Gabba and the whole series was different in its own right. But is there anything you can say to, to JL to sort of reach out to him or any advice or anything to soften the blow of what he's probably feeling today? <laughs> yeah, I look – Unlikely. I mean, how What's do we that know? For? <laughs> well, just because we've all been in in, in positions um, yeah. um, that aren't good, you know, they there's there's not really there's a period of mourning. I, I mean, Mitch, you and I went through it a number of times through our careers, where both individually or as a team, where yep. you know, things just don't work, um, and you can't get it back, right? I, I suppose. To JL, he'll look at it and go, "Well, here's a good opportunity for a, for his team to, to learn a bit more about um, you know, his, their game, um, and to also, you know, look in the mirror a little bit as well and front up some of the, the challenges which weren't quite quite met from from an Australian point of view. Um, they didn't have to do much. The game of cricket is a fickle one. They didn't have to do much better in every session." In order for there to be a different result, so they, they they should look with optimism as to what wasn't done and how it is that potentially they could just do do things a, a fraction better without trying to necessarily scalp some of the the superstars. It's a time for for calm heads and clear vision. Um, and, well and the vision that hasn't been addressed mm. is is ultimately the half the half chances or the or the half performances in runs, or the, or even just little things like I was thinking just then, you know, Mitch Johnson, oh, sorry, Mitchell Stark, <laughs> um, you know, charging in on the on the last on, on the last over of the fourth day, and um, you know, all of a sudden finding a reason to be be not a hundred percent. You know, the, the crease, he slipped on the crease that first ball and he straight away buckled with the with the kind of thought of, gee, do we, can I do this? You could just see the yeah. pain in his eyes like that. Like, and, and as a batsman, you're going, oh, you beauty. Mm. You know, the premier, premium left arm strike bowler has got a bee in his bonnet and I can be all over him here and make that worse. That's what you're thinking is better. So you're reading body language. Yeah. Yeah, a tough one for just little things, mm. but they you know they mean a lot in the end. 
um, when it comes to results. Yeah, a tough one for Starkey to swallow for the whole team as well. They haven't got long before they bounce back, probably against South Africa as soon as next month. Um, it's been an incredible series and it's been wonderful to get your thoughts on it. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. We could talk for yeah. 15 days about this. Yeah, we? yeah so. exactly. Thanks, and, uh, my pleasure, guys. Good to hear from you, mate. Yeah, it's been such a massive week in cricket. So much to talk about. Everyone is fired up, so we thought we better bring in some good to the world after all of this anger. <laughs> uh, we're going to reward our audience for listening to the rants today. We've got a brand new kookaburra, as I mentioned before. We're going to give it away. All you have to do is enter. Um, head to the win page on Perth Now to enter. What you need to do is put in the code word. Mitch, what should the code word be? Well, the with everything that's been going on in this test test series, this test match, uh, Pajara, Hazelwood, I think Bodyline is probably an appropriate Bodyline. Yeah, that's code, word code word to win the signed Mitchell Johnson cricket ball is Bodyline. I think Pajara is probably feeling a bit sore today. Do you think? I reckon, but I think he'd be pretty happy. Yeah, at the same time, <laughs> probably um, doesn't mind. With this as well, am I bowling that ball? To the person who wins it, just to give him. <laughs> uh, no, because then you would have to go into rehab for six months to fix the stress factors in your back. You've told us Come you on. took six months to recover from the bushfire game you played in. That was 11 months ago. Yeah, I know. I've got a game coming up, actually. Oh, whereabouts? Um, well, it's my brother-in-law's Australia Day match that he plays every year with all his mates. So, yeah. You've got a gig. I've got a gig. I've got to get warmed up. <laughs> have so you been training? Maybe I can... No. Oh, here we go. The arrogance. Too good for this. Yep. Anyway, back to the, the code word again. Yeah, body code line. word, body line. <laughs> head to the win page on Perth now to enter. Uh, we'll try to find out that venue for the Australia Day match so we can all come and watch, maybe taunt you from the sidelines. Bowls to the left, bowls to the right. All right, so Mitch, some questions I have for you this week. I think because, as we've heard, uh, Matthew Hayden, he loves to talk. We've been chatting for mm -hmm. a while. We probably need Good to wrap things up. Yep. I'm going to give you a time limit. You've got 10 seconds to answer each of these questions because I said to Haydos, how would you describe it in one word? And he did it in about 4,000. So because of that, you've got a 10-second time <laughs> limit. <laughs> Number one, who captains Australia after Tim Payne and when do they start their tenure? Has the countdown started yet? Yeah, you've okay. lost four seconds. Oh, um, <laughs> head still. <laughs> he's, not the, he's not in the best 11. Okay, Cummins. Cummins, when? Next available time. <laughs> oh, huge. <laughs> Definitely not ne next test series, no. Okay, not against South Africa no. in 20 days. Okay, if anyone, who gets dropped from the Gabba 11 for the first South Africa test? Uh... Wade and maybe Stark. Good answer. Will Australia go with no left armour for a few years when Mitchell Stark's time is up or is there a successor ready now? Go with the best next option. Yep. Pattinson. Whoever that is. I, I, I like Pattinson or Riley Meredith. Yep. Time's up. Matthew Wade, last one. South Africa or New Zealand? He's Australian. Uh, okay, let me restate because you've chosen to miss the point. Is Matthew Wade on the plane to South Africa for the Test Series or on the plane to New Zealand for the White Ball Series? White Ball Series. Oh, vlog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so are you saying that because you think that's where he should go or because you want Travis Head back in the 11? No, I just think that's where he's strongest. That's where he's best. Yep. In the, in the shorter form. 
Not good news for the Scorchers, though. They've just announced what players are being released back into the Big Bash. Cameron Green is going to take a well-deserved rest. He won't be playing for the Scorchers. And Matthew Wade and Tim Payne will be available for Friday's match for Hobart against the Scorchers. So that's good for Hobart and probably bad timing for the Scorchers. Yeah, but you just have to look at it from a Scorchers point of view and just keep playing the the brand of cricket they're playing at the moment. And um, it's good stuff. So um, stick to their strengths and, and don't worry about who they're coming up against. They'll have their plans and um, you know, maybe they'll be a bit, bit weary as well. Tim Payne might not be quite quite there. With, uh, to mentally. be fair, he might not play. As in he they've uh, announced enough. which – yeah, not in the 11. No, they've announced which players are going to rest. So Nathan Lyon is going to skip. Mitchell Stark is off for scans yeah. and Greeny is being rested as well. But – Obviously, Payne has said he's put his hand up and he's happy to, but maybe once it comes around, he might, as soon as all of the adrenaline stops today or tomorrow, he might crash and realise, yeah, I could benefit from a few more days. A bit of a break, yeah. Possibly. I mean, it'd be pretty hard for him to come in as well and take McDermott, who's been keeping really well, and mm. he's, he's another he a young guy that's... He looks bound for perhaps New Zealand. Yeah, definitely. 12 T20 Batting internationals well. to his name. Probably hasn't had the best run at it, given he had that terrible sort of six-month period where he ran himself out five times in a row. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's in absolutely red-hot form. No, I like the look of him and, um, yeah, there's definitely opportunities coming up with, with a couple of squads going to be announced shortly. So uh, that six he hit the other night, or one of the, the, Off the big one. McAndrew, oh, the big one. Oh, my goodness. Enormous. That was huge. Yeah, that uh, went to another galaxy yep. into next week. Uh, Mitch, time to make the most of our Pick 11 teams. I wanted to talk to you about the future of the Big Bash League because the great Brian Lara set Twitter alight the other night. He was picking his best 11 under 23 and he said, sorry, 23 and under, Mm -hmm. he said the talent is thin in Australian cricket and a few people online might surprise you, a few people on Twitter had an opinion and even it caught the eye of Melbourne Stars general manager Nick Cummins who uh, he used to be the GM at the Sydney Thunder so he's um, got his finger on the pulse and is across quite a few teams. He He posted a list of the players who are 23 and under, and I just I won't bore you with all of them, but I want to name a couple. Cameron Green, Aaron Hardy, Wes Agar, Max Bryant of the Heat, uh, Jack Prestwich, Will Bukowski, Tess Debutant, Jake Fraser-McGurk, Mackenzie Harvey, both from the Renegades, and Will Sutherland, Lance Morris and Josh Philippi, proud Scarborough boys, Tanvia Sanger, Oliver Davies, Lloyd Pope, Corey Roccacioli, and more. All of those ones I've just mentioned are yep. 23 or under, would you say the future of, well, you pick 11 bargain buys and Australian cricket, do you think it's thin or do you think it's exciting? Oh, it's definitely exciting. I'm not sure in what context or what he was thinking when he named that team or not not saying that. He also perhaps meant that there maybe needed a few more years to develop before we were seeing the best of them. Oh, definitely. And I I think he's just judging from what he's seeing in the the big bash as well. Um, But yeah, talent wise, I'd it's pretty bloody good, I would have thought. <laughs> um, what you, all the names that you just read out there. And Concise I mean, summary. A lot, like of those, a lot of those young guys are performing as well and, and are exciting to watch. So it, it just comes down to, to playing more games, getting more experience and um, hopefully, yeah, I, I, still, I think we have got the talent to back up the, the, you know, the guys that are playing for Australia now uh, and we're seeing some of these guys coming through in the shorter forms of the game because the – they are being split up and there's more opportunities at the moment with COVID, with bigger squads and things like that. So that's only going to be good for, for the Australian cricket 
uh, or the, these young guys that are getting those opportunities. So, um, yeah, I'm excited. I think there's there's plenty there. Um, if we're going to start pointing at, at talent, um, I think we've got, still got more talent than um, the West Indies under 23s. Maybe he can name those. <laughs> Whack! I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect, but oh yeah, yeah. Don't don't backpedal. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, he's he's entitled to that opinion as well because he's played the game. He knows um, and can see uh, what's around. So that's obviously what he thinks, and um, he's qualified enough to be able to make those um, calls. He's but somewhat respected, I guess. I'd you'd say. say so. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say so. Yeah, one of the greats of the game. Now, we have been brought to you by Tab Touch today, as always. Make the most of summer. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Mitch, thank you very much for joining us once again today. Normally, you leave us on a peach. I think, have you probably given us all of your rants and all of your thoughts so far? I don't think we can open up another can of worms. Nah, but there's not much going on now. I'll just... You were telling me about um, AJ um, and how he was bragging about him bowling 151 <laughs> the other night. Um, we do need the proof. Um, and just because you bowl one ball at 151 doesn't mean you're a quick bowler. <laughs> Where's Whack. your consistency? Whack. Okay, I will pass that feedback <laughs> on because there is a strong debate between him and uh, his Scarborough teammate, um, Josh Philippi and Flip said, if you bowl over 150, I'll shave my head. So hopefully Whoa. an impending Australia mm. debut for Josh Philippi in New Zealand, yep. and he might be doing so without much hair on his head. That'd be interesting. Watch I this think space. he's a bit of a pretty boy. Yeah, I don't uh, think he'll do it. I don't think he'll do it. <laughs> well, the thing is with the fast bowling thing as well, when Mitch, Mitch Marsh actually came into the Australian team, and I remember we were in the, uh, on a tour in England and we – Go on the bus. Uh, we've got a bus driver, Goodwin's um, Popeye, who looks after us there. <laughs> and um, the fast bowlers were always at the back. So to be in that group, you have to bowl over a certain pace and be consistent. And Mitch Marsh the at the time, the cartel. And Mitch Marsh bowled a couple around 140 and was trying to get to the back of the bus and I denied him. <laughs> I said, you have to do it more consistently. So it's a bit like with AJ. If he becomes more consistent bowling at a, a fast pace, and you might be called a fast bowler. I think I listened to a press conference recently after everybody was talking about his pace, and he said, I might be quicker than Mitchell Johnson now. Mm. Is there any parting words? Because we, uh, we were about to go. I think my slower ball's quicker than him, <laughs> like his, his fast ball. <laughs> I think that's all we've got time for. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining us, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Fast and The Curious with Mitchell Johnson and Bonnie Rayner. Subscribe for weekly pods over the summer of cricket, and remember to send in your questions to Mitch before the next episode.